It's Friday the 26th of March. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by Shane Lee and I need to break the news now. Shane has had 12 4 and 20 pies last night. <laughs> Not quite, mate, but I did watch both games of footy. Or, uh, <laughs> no party pies. <laughs> no, mate. I watched two games of footy and uh, I watched the Storm Penrith first game and then I watched, I, I taped the Collingwood um, Carlton game. So, mate, I'm a little bit tired from last night, but uh, all good. Oh, yeah. It was good football. It really was. And uh, that, that rugby league match went right down to the wire and, of course, some interesting moments. Sure and, and Collingwood uh, really needed to win that. Huge show today. We've got the Golden but tomorrow, Jimmy Cassidy is going to join us. The player manager to the stars, Steve Gillis, is with us. And John Stephenson, 15 years since his Com Games gold medal. And, of course, we've been talking about the Spartan Bat, the one signed by Chris Gale, the number one T20 player in the world. Today, we are going to give it away to one of our followers on Facebook or Twitter. Stand by for that. Shane, that was a cracker last night. Melbourne and Penrith, they'll certainly be there when the whips are cracking at the end of the year. And an undermanned Penrith got home at the death. Mate, they did. And the cacao-saving try at the end was an unbelievable uh, try-saver um, for Penrith to get the, the chocolates at the end, mate. But um, I thought it was a huge match for the Panthers. Without Cleary, um, it, are these going to prove to the guys that they can definitely win without um, their halfback. Um, the Storm, to me, looked a bit tired. They definitely missed Pappenhausen, but um, but a great game of footy there. Yeah, proof enough why Matt Burton hasn't been released to go to another club as well. He played mm. very well. The boy from Dubbo, Big Boot, and Collingwood. Huge game for them. 70-odd thousand people at the G. It was great to hear the roar of the crowd against their uh, old rivals, Carlton. They were always ahead, always ahead, just far enough ahead. Yep, well, whoever lost this game is going to go 0-2, and two, and uh, unfortunately... For Carlton fans, it's it's the Carlton team, mate. Uh, zero and two now, but uh, you could feel the energy through the TV, couldn't you, Tim? The, it was a really good atmosphere out there. But um, Darcy Moore, unbelievable in defence for the Pies, and and Jordan Dugowie with uh, four goals was probably the difference in the end. All right, well we've uh, got a winner ourselves today. The Chris Gale Spartan cricket bat is going off, Shane, and um, I think we've got our winner on the line. Steve, you there, mate? Yes, g'day, Shane. How are you going? Hi, Tim. Hello, Steve. Mate, congratulations. This is a fantastic cricket bat. It's going to look fantastic on your wall, mate, and I believe um, there's not too many things on your wall, mate. You're a, you're a, uh, a Demons fan. Yes. <laughs> no, that's exactly <laughs> right. No, uh, I've, got a, I've got a full blank wall, actually, uh, waiting for a premiership uh, <laughs> memorabilia or something, but uh, <laughs> thank you. That's uh, I, I do like... Uh, Chris Gale and uh, love love my cricket and uh, that Spartan bat. Well, I've seen him do some damage uh, with uh, with the cricket bat. That's for sure. Good on you, Steve and uh, Steve from Ascot Vale in Melbourne. Thanks for listening to Afternoon Sports. Spread the word and enjoy the cricket bat is on its way. Cheers, guys. No, thank you very much. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, he is the number one rugby league player manager in the game. Adam Reynolds is part of his crew and he's having all this drama. Steve Gillis. Well, he's Rugby League's number one player manager. His name is Steve Gillis, and he joins us right now. How are you, Stephen? Good, thank you, Tim. G'day, Shane. G'day, mate. What a match last night. I, I thought it was a, a, a huge match um, for the Panthers, uh, winning 12-10 over the Storm, particularly without Cleary there, mate. It was a huge win for the Panthers. Fantastic game of Rugby League. What a great way to kick off the weekend. And uh, 
big one tonight, um, South Sydney and the Roosters. So obviously plenty more action to come. Yeah, a big focus on Adam Reynolds tonight. He's one of your guys. You look after him. Uh, you've looked after him since he was a kid. I still remember calling him in schoolboy football and he was a, an outstanding, precocious talent there. Uh, is he going to be at South next year, do you think? Oh, look, Tim, it's probably too early to say. The way things are at the moment, um, just looking at the scoreboard, it's unlikely. I mean, South Adam and it's a, a one-year offer and Adam would would want you know, at least a two-year deal to recommit to the club, which I believe is understandable. South will be within their rights to, uh, to offer whatever they want, mate. They're running their business, they're doing their planning and they feel it's one and it's one and we'll have to look elsewhere. Uh, another one of your talent, uh, Steve, is, is Pappenhausen. He was out last night. The storm looked really tired, I thought, as a uh, overall. Is um, is Ryan only out for one week, mate? Yeah, it looks like one week. I mean, Ryan's obviously their, their go-to man, their, their, their strike. You know, um, he's been you know, their best or second best player in the opening two rounds. So, yeah, look, they definitely missed his injection into the game last night. Just looking at Reynolds um, for a little longer, uh, I spoke to Jamie Sauer during the week uh, as part of a New South Wales Rugby League chat, and he said that he still believes Adam Reynolds has got the best kicking game in the league. So that's a big statement from a guy that uh, had a fair kicking game himself, and that just gives a bit of an indication of how much appeal he would have for some of the other clubs. I could list about five or six off the top of my head. Yeah, Tim, the clubs generally don't get busy with their recruitment until about round seven, eight, nine, ten when they either are struggling on the ladder or, or, or see a position they need to to strengthen. Obviously, it's not our intention to, to make the, the Reynolds issue daily commentary. The situation is what it is, and uh, understandably, I, I believe everyone's just got to keep keep going, get about your business. Mate, uh, for the game tonight, what, what are your thoughts? I think... Looking after the game last night, the Storm and the Panthers, I think there's going to be a big gap between the top three. I think the Panthers, I think the South and the Roosters are going to be up there. What, what do you think South need to do to overcome the Roosters tonight? Uh, I think South tend to go better against the better teams. They tend to knock off a little bit against some of the weaker teams. So I'm expecting them to be you know, extremely competitive from the get-go. I mean, South's poorest 20 minutes, and I know it's only round three, but they got blown off the park early against Melbourne. And I think... Melbourne would have blown anyone off the park round one down there. So South form may be a little bit better than it looks on paper. And, uh, of course, the Roosters have had two softer games thus far. So it'll be interesting. But I, I would anticipate that South will be you know, very competitive from the get-go. Oh, it's going to be a cracking game of football. I'm taking my son along to that one, the Roosters and the Rabbitohs tonight. Some of the matchups: Latrell Mitchell on Tedesco. You got Kiri and Walker. Everywhere you look, there's something going on. Uh, well, Kiri obviously in the halves, and so is Walker. Uh, Steve, now as as a player manager, you've got uh, a flotilla of players under your stewardship. Whether they are the top of the pile or those coming through, um, you've got to try to do your best to look after them. Is the game, do you think, doing enough to look after? After them when it comes to high shots. Paul Kent was adamant this week. He thought the NRL uh, were cowardly in only giving a couple of weeks suspensions. And last night, Nathan Cleary was out because of that shot by Dallin Martinez-Lesniak. Is two weeks long enough? Oh, Tim, it's amazing what a bit of media pressure can do, mate. I think you'll see some changes if anyone crosses the line this weekend, mate. So <laughs> um, there'll certainly be a, a huge push if anyone um, is found guilty of a high shot this week. And they can expect an extra... 
week or two, I'd say, as, as the crackdown will commence. That's the way. That's the that's the way it's worked in the past, and I think that's. I think you'll see something similar again. But what do you think of it? Uh, look, I, I know they have a genuine care for the players, um, as do their clubs. Um, it is very concerning to see, you know, some of well, any any player miss um, a game because of uh, uh, an illegal high high tackle. But it's something we've got to um, be wary of. It's something that I'm sure they will be. And we certainly don't want to go back to the dark old days. And uh, there's absolutely no chance of that happening. But I think you'll find that the um, punishments will become a little bit tougher. I think everyone's on notice. And I think hopefully you won't see uh, uh, as many indiscretions this weekend. I, I think you're right. I think we're, we're nowhere near the, the dark old days. But um, there is, um, I think we're a lot more mindful now of, particularly with, you know, back slams and that sort of stuff. But you're seeing players like Brett Morris, who's you know, scored two hat-tricks in the first two rounds at the age of 34. Players are playing a lot longer, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And the game's changed. I mean, it, it is a little bit like, I know there's still the physicality, but it's a little bit like Oz Tag on steroids. I mean, it, it is fast, it is physical, non-stop. Uh, these guys are amazing athletes. And you, you sit back in awe. That last play last night where Kikau gets up off the ground, gets to the other side of the field, saves the try. I mean, in the old days, you, you wouldn't see it. Today, they're, they're amazing, mate. They're absolutely amazing. It's changed quite a bit since uh, Shane was playing outside centre for Oak Flats. I was a non-tackling back row for Patrician Brothers Fairfield. And you were at Marston College Ramwick. Tell us a little bit about your pedigree because, you, you you know, you were not only school captain, a leader from a very early age, but uh, you were in the team. Yeah, look, Tim could have been a great player if I wasn't petrified. Um, <laughs> that was probably my greatest uh, challenge. Um, look, I was... Park footy player, mate, probably not as good as Pete Philandis, but park <laughs> footy player and had a lot of fun running around with me mates and uh, enjoyed writing about it and, and working in, in the game ever since. Steve, as a player manager now, would, would you have signed yourself? No way in the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> what about finally? And, and look, I love everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm a lover of the world. What about some of the parents that sort of have a, a maybe a higher opinion of some of their progeny than. Um, uh, is actually there when they start selling you their kids at about 12. Yeah, look, I, I think it's been around since Jesus was a boy, mate, where, where parents obviously want to encourage and support their kids. It, it's been around, it's always going to be around, obviously. Um, there's a big difference between, you know, wishing and hoping that your your kid's going to be a star and him actually getting there. And I think uh, with with more education, obviously, the NRL and, and, and the schoolboys football do plenty of education now. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll see less and less of it. Let, let them be kids. Let them have fun. Let them play footy. And if they're, if they're the real uh, deal, they'll on. get there. There'll be nothing yeah. stopping them. Always great to hear your voice. And it, it reminds me of doing the continuous call through 93, 94. I'm going back 30 years. And Steve was around the grounds. He was down there covering the Moon Brothers at Illawarra. And um, here we are still talking on the airwaves. You enjoy your day. You know, it sounds a bit like this is your life. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, Jimmy Cassidy. All right, it's time to get the pumper on Jimmy Cassidy and the Golden Slipper. We're one week late, Jimbo, but we're on. We're on. It's, uh, yeah, incredible to have the rain that we had last week. First time I've seen the slipper cancelled, but uh, it's been great for everyone. They've had an extra week up their sleeve, a little bit of uh, sun the last couple of days, and hopefully it'll dry it out a touch and give everyone the chance they deserve. 
Yeah, that is the second time in history, I think, Pumper, that the slipper has been postponed. Just a quick question. What, what does a jockey do in wet weather conditions? What, what, what's, the, what's the theory behind how you ride in wet weather? Oh, look, as long as the track's safe and the visibility is no problem, there's not a lot of difference um, on top of the ground or, or heavy track. It really comes down to the horses that really handle the ground. Uh, the two-year-olds are taught to jump and run, and if they get through the ground, uh, there won't be a worry. But, look, some will handle it and some won't. But uh, that's what it comes down to. It is the richest two-year-old race in the world, and they reckon now a colt can make up to $40 million in 70-second race. Well, that's the thing. You get one of the colts win, and their prize money goes through the roof as a stallion proposition, and uh, that's what it's all about. They pay the big money for a lot of these uh, well-bred colts. To, to make stallions and uh, come Saturday, 5 o'clock, uh, if it's a cult, well, his prize money and his value will go through the roof. Yeah, it's a cult-making race, isn't it? Look, I like stay inside. Um, they're an informed stable, the Freedmans. Have you got a, have you got a pick? It is, it is chucking the darts at the board a bit. It is a little bit. Look, I, I, I like the Godolphin horse that beat uh, the favourite profiteer a couple of weeks ago here at Ramwick. Uh, Rachel King, she may be the first lady to win the Golden Slipper. She's riding terrific. Uh, she's riding for the big stable. They know what it takes to win the big ones. And I think if he has any, has any luck in, in run uh, from, a, from a barrier of 16, I don't think barriers are going to be a big concern come late in the day if the track is obviously deteriorating. But uh, I'm going to stick with, uh, with Rachel King and the Godolphin Power uh, to beat Profiteer and the one you like, uh, stay inside. There you go. Uh, James McDonald, mate, if he wins in a weekend, he's going to be the, uh, the fastest uh, jockey to go to 50 Group 1 wins. Yeah, well, opportunities today with Group 1, there's more of them, and uh, that's what it's all about, getting your name and likes and winning the big ones. And uh, being a Kiwi, J-Mac, I'll be very proud, mate. Yeah, yeah, and you guys don't go for the All Blacks, do you? You go for the Wallabies? Uh, did you say Wannabes or Wallabies? <laughs> Jimmy, good to talk and enjoy Slipper Day. Have a great weekend, boys. All the very best. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, well, it is Friday. He's he's on the top of his toes. His name is John Stephenson. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Johnny Stephenson, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome him to the stage. How are you, John? Hey, too much change. What are you talking about? Well, Mr. Whippy, you mean like the ice cream? I didn't understand what yeah, you were talking ding, about. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I used to race out the front door. Didn't have coins with me sometimes, so never actually got the ice cream, but I just loved the sound of it. Are you sure you never got the ice cream, too? 
Well, unfortunately, I've got it too many times. That's why I'm fading away to a block of flats. That's why I say my body's a rambling homestead rather than a temple. But uh, I did <laughs> – I digress. And Too much about me. I want to ask you about the um, Bahrain Grand Prix this weekend. We, we discussed this quite a bit in the podcast on the fact that we lost the Grand Prix due to COVID and just the F1 circus could not roll itself out. And we get to see this weekend the, uh, the Formula 1 – Back in action. And I am super excited about it because all this talk about testing, all this talk on who's going to do well, all this talk on will Red Bull beat Mercedes. Our Mercedes was the test uh, representation of where Mercedes really are because they didn't obviously didn't test as well as some of the other teams. It's it's brilliant. The start of the season is going to happen. I think the Bahrain track is an awesome track for Formula 1 to start. Uh, I still think i got some mail, some very good mm-hmm. detail mail. From a mm. friend, our friend, our friend of the podcast, David Reynolds, mm. who I know is pretty close to Daniel Ricciardo. And mm. the mail that he gave Dave is that Red Bull and Mercedes will be up the front as per usual. Mercedes are just as strong as what they were last year. Mm. And that the McLaren has very good race pace, but their one lap pace is A-OK, meaning in qualifying, we're not going to see them totally up the grid, but come race day, they hopefully will be charging through the field. So that's some really good good intel, good mail for those that, uh, that are looking forward to the Grand Prix season starting. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be fantastic if Daniel Ricciardo could pull off the championship? I him. And I why mm. I said McLaren, because that, that for all us Aussie race fans, um, you know, Daniel is now racing a McLaren. So yeah. if, if he does that, we, we, they call him the last of the late breakers because he would take this dive bomb into the braking zone to try and mm. overtake his competitors. If he's got great race pace, that means we're going to see more of this. That means we could see him potentially on the podium whilst hopefully, you know, the mm. likes of your racing point, your Mercedes, your Red Bulls have difficulties with technical issues. We're going to see hopefully McLaren sort of up the front, him and Lando Norris. So it's an exciting time for Australians. It's an exciting time for motor racing fans. And hey, F1 is back. How good is this? But what about Danny Green? They were, they were the fiercest, fiercest of opponents, and I, I went to a few of those early fights. Uh, you had such an eclectic group at the Mundine Green fights. But, uh, yeah, he's come out saying some nice words about chocolate. You all – well, yeah, I love it. We got chocolate. I love calling him chocolate. Good man. I mean, he, for those that don't know, Anthony Mundine officially retired out of press conference. But that's his, nick, that's his nickname. I can say that, yeah, can't Yeah, I? no, no, of course. Yeah. Of course you can say it. It, it, It's nothing no, – everybody loves chocolate, man, and so they should. You know, Chuck famously had a rivalry with Danny Green. Now, I'm going to read this out to listeners. I think it's important Mm. for you guys to hear what Danny wrote in testament to Anthony Mundine. And he wrote, congratulations, Anthony, on an incredible boxing career. World champion, speed, timing, placement, skill, strength, instinct. People who know me know that I liked your style. It was great to watch you when you were on. We shared the longest and greatest boxing rivalry in the history of the sport in this country. And our pay-per-view records will never be eclipsed. That's something to be very proud of, Chalk. You were the pioneer of big pay-per-views in Oz. Very sad that people forget that. You did shit your way. Our rivalry was and is very real. I cannot speak for you, but I do not think there is any hatred, or not from my side anyway, just competitiveness and ego. The two ingredients needed to become a world champion. We will break bread one day and reminisce about our 15 years of domination of pay-per-views in Australian boxing. You were the highest paid fighter of all time in Australia. That's very unique. Well played, my man. For today, I will give you a pass and you can tell everyone that you were the better fighter, but only for today. Thank you for the epic memories, old mate. All the best for whatever you do in the future. One apiece. Maybe our sons may get the man versus machine number two, juggernaut rolling in the future. Now, 
I wanted to read that out because for the longest we thought these two guys hated each other on and off, you know, the squared circle. And I think it's great for those that that see these rivalries in sport because, you know, as passionate sports fans, we take sides. And sometimes we take sides too passionately and it encourages into actually having definitive understandings of what who, who somebody personally is. And a lot of people formed an opinion about Chalk. And it was just great for Danny that he came out and he said those kind of words. Because I think, you know, even though this very intimate hatred uh, of a relationship as, as boxing opponents, they got to spend time on I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And through numbers of years, mm. they bumped into each other and obviously spoke. And I think it's just, it's, it's really nice to know that you can have this hatred for somebody on the sporting field. But when it's all said and done, you can look back at their body of work and respect what they've done. Yeah, and no, I'm glad, and I'm glad you did take the time to read it because it was a, a fantastic rivalry, and it's really nice to to see combatants, opponents walk off the field, walk out of the ring, and shake hands, break bread, and say nice things about each other. Because I think that is the nature of sport. That's what we want our kids to do as well. But to me, it's 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 a little Ivan Drago, Sylvester Stallone, right? Rocky Four. You know, at the end, it's like. First is, I will break you. And then now it's like, you know, it gives him the look of, you know what? You know, you're the champ. You know, like, it's nice. You know what I mean? I think it, it's it's like it's like an Australian boxing fairy tale story ending, right? You know, these two guys that divided a nation and now they're, you know, they, they put down their gloves to say, you know, so it's pretty cool. I, I thought it was nice, a nice moment. And Chuck deserves mm. all the accolades he got. He, he absolutely entertained us for 30-plus years in sport in this country, both on the rugby field and in the boxing ring. I interviewed him on the Today Show once, and I got him to say that famous line, if he dies, he dies. Now, John, I know you're, you're awfully excited about watching Holyfield and Tyson. Last time they met, Holyfield lost half his ear. They're all getting earmuffs, the people that are going to this fight. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know, Tim. I, I don't know how this finds its way in our, in, in, in our topics to talk about. It's just, let's talk about it after it happens, and hopefully something entertaining goes down. Yes, it was one of the biggest pay-per-views. I think it ranks as the third or fourth biggest pay-per-view in boxing history, I think. Yeah. So even though in their heyday, it was a massive fight. Um, I don't know if I want to see these two old men jumping in the ring. Uh, spectacle, will it be? Yes. Um, a little bit of entertainment to watch. Yes. But if you really love boxing, it's just, I don't know, man. It's not really my flavor. Holyfield looked like, I know he, I've seen some pictures on Instagram. He looks super duper ripped and looks like he can still bang. And obviously we saw Tyson take on, um, in his last fight, took on Roy Jones and, you know, he moved quite well. So there's a fight in it. I don't, should we talk about it? Well, we, we, we don't need to. We, yeah, like, and look, Shane, and he, he came up with a good line. He goes, one of their dentures might get left on there. Well, Tyson's dentures might get left. But, but quickly, we're running out of time. Uh, UFC, it's a big weekend for UFC and some high drama, John. It was built to be a massive weekend in UFC uh, due to the fact the car was stacked. Unfortunately, throughout, you know, this last week, we found out that Volkanovski and his whole team contracted COVID, meaning that he was the main main support card uh, for the fight to Francis Ngannou and Stipe. So, you know, this kind of, I don't think it rattled, I think it'd still be a great card, you know, on the weekend, but mm-hmm. it was really sad. I mean, this is hundreds of thousands of dollars for Alex Volkanovski. He's the reigning champ um, coming in. It's, it's, it, I reckon it'd be millions of dollars for the UFC that they've lost or for, I think it was a camera guy that, that they feel they contracted COVID from. So now they're in a bubble staying away from COVID, contracting COVID. And on top of that, uh, I saw uh, Alex posted yesterday on his Instagram story saying the symptoms were quite real. He said, I've had 
fevers were quite bad, feeling weak in the body. And he said, look, he'll be back. And he's thanks for all the kind wishes, but he's good. He's doing well. So um, that's, that's a little bit of a letdown for the weekend. But I do, I do think that, you know, that the main card with Francis Ngannou, I, I, I'm, yep. I'm going to go Francis. Uh, I think Stipe is an absolute warrior, but I, I just, I, I just think Francis is, has elevated his game since yep. he sort of took a loss the last time and and he sort of went backwards a little bit, had a bit of a fight with Dana White, but I think he's come back. He's a man on the mission. He wants to be the all-around all GOAT status in, in UFC. But I will give a special mention, because of all this COVID issues, there's a, a young fighter from the Central Coast called Jamie Malarkey, um, an Aussie fighter who's now been pushed up onto the main card. So he had a very famous battle um, at last time UFC was in Melbourne. Um, where they just slugged it out. So for those who are into the UFC, make sure you watch Jamie fight on the weekend. He loves to get in there. He wants to trade in the middle. I know he's got some issues with his hand. I don't want to don't want to release it on this podcast, but um, but yeah, he he will be in there to trade and bang, and he'll be he'll bring the uh, he'll bring the pain. So yes. yeah, UFC two sixty should be uh, should be a whole lot of fun this weekend. All right, Johnny, that wraps up a, a pretty busy old day. Let's talk soon next week, maybe. All right, my brother, I can't wait. That's it for Afternoon Sport. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you to our team today, John Stephenson, Jimmy Cassidy, Steve Gillis. Spartan Sports are wonderful, Shane. They are wonderful, mate. www.spartansportshq.com. And speaking of wonderful, he's every kind of wonderful. Our producer, Dan McHugh. See you Monday. We'll see you then, guys. Have a great weekend.